If you want to support this podcast and get a full ad-free episode, sign up to Headstuff Plus. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hey guys, and welcome to Personality Bingo with me, your host, Tom Moran. So this week on the podcast, we have the phenomenal Emily Fox. Emily is a graduate from the Lear Acting Programme in Dublin. She is an actor currently working on Systemic by David Donovan that's going to be in this year's Seen and Heard Festival in the main space. And she is also in preparations for the brilliant Gemma Kane's debut play, 48, which is directed by Claire Maguire and again going to be in the main space in Smock Alley. Uh, you'll best know Emily from her work on Vikings, obviously uh, a massive international, huge, huge uh, hugely successful show uh, worldwide and as well closer to home in the brilliant Peep by Jodie Gray that was directed by the excellent and future guest Gavin Costick um, as well as that she's done No One Sees the Video by Martin Crimp which was done by the brilliant Samantha Cade and yet loads and loads of brilliant stuff so keep an eye out for Emily's upcoming work uh, she's one of my favourite people and uh, M, if you're listening oh I called you M. I don't normally do that, don't know how I feel about it, but look, it's out there now. I was going to say, thanks for doing the show. Uh, guys, I can't believe the success of our Patreon launch last week. Kind of sounds disingenuous when I say it in that tone, but seriously, people were so kind with their donations. Look, Patreon is a website that's there for you to support artists like me, making stuff for you for free. Um... We have the link in our show notes, so go and check that out. Even if you have no intention of donating, go and check out the page. It's kind of cool. Uh, there's some cool uh, bits and bobs about the show, and I will be posting there. It's a good way to keep in touch with me, as well as Twitter and Instagram or whatever else you might use. But look, the Patreon page is basically there. It's a model based off soundness, as Blind Boy says. I like that quote because it's true. The podcast is not going to change. Fundamentally, absolutely nothing changes about the show. We're going to keep bringing it to you week to week to week for absolutely nothing. But if you are in a position where you appreciate it, it means something to you, you've enjoyed episodes, you enjoy it every week, whatever the fuck that might be, and you want to give something back, and you can give something back, Patreon is by far the best way to do that. Uh, rewards start from as low as a fiver, but look, guys, I even know, as you know, an artist, a young person, uh, someone with just financial worries, I'm sure we're all in that boat, we can all relate to that. If five euro dollars, whatever the fuck it might be, is not attainable for you, this sounds silly, but honestly... A euro, two euro, that makes a difference. We have thousands of listeners. If even a percentage of those people can chuck something our way, even if it is as small as a euro or two euro, look, you do the maths and that. that could be life-changing um, and it will work out at something like 25 or 50 cent an episode. I know that sounds stupid. I know that sounds futile. Honestly, it's not. We're not looking to make massive bucks off this. All this really is is a way of us monitoring costs, whether that's just transport costs, coffee costs, bingo costs, printing costs, whatever the fuck it might be, um, that's the goal of this, and if you're in a position to uh, help us do that, and maybe, you know, who knows, maybe in the future, um, to it'll be a way of us getting paid for our uh, time, that'd be just amazing, that'd be like the dream for us, but it just felt like the right time coming into 2019, and after doing, you know, the 105 episodes, or whatever the fuck it's been, to try and kick things on a level, because that's always important, and um, Patreon is by far the best way to do that, look, I'm not going to name all the patrons who've jumped on board already, but guys, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you, thank you, I can't tell you how much it means, even the thought that you, you know, 
pull out your card and input the numbers into a computer and just take the time to do that was, was gorgeous and I don't need to tell you that the financial end of it makes a huge difference to us so seriously from the bottom of my heart thank you so much if you're in a position to help us out with a few quid guys look it just means the world if you're not that's totally fine I can't wait to bring you to future episodes of the podcast but look enough of that guys please enjoy the amazing Emily Fox playing personality bingo with Tom Moran Fox, ready to play personality bingo? Yes, I am, Tom Warren. All right, here we go. So a quick explanation of how it all works. I've got 60 minutes on the clock. I've got 60 balls in here and 60 corresponding questions. I've also given you a sheet of paper with five numbers on the paper. Would you do me a favour and read out the five? Yes. Um, two. Yes. 59. Okay. 16. Right. 23. Lovely. And 41. Gorgeous. Would you do me another favour and pick a sixth number, something between one and 60 that's not already there? What are you going to go for? Eight. Eight. Any reason? It's infinity. Oh. Is that a fact? Yeah. It's like the symbol for infinity. Is it? Yeah. Did you not know them? No. I'm very stupid. Okay. Well, we're learning. Yeah, we are. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, you know, like, the, I don't, you, you know, like sometimes you say something like that, you're like, I'm very stupid. And it's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not stupid. I, I don't believe. But like, it's a one thing to say that. I don't know why. Like that, it makes me happy to say like, I'm very stupid. But that's it's not a humbling. Good, it's humbling. Is that it? Yeah, I think so. It's but kind of think, putting you on the back foot a bit. Yeah. I like the back foot. You do? Okay. I do. But I think I think I like it because it, it, there's a lot of power in the back foot. Because then you don't come across as like... And maybe it's good in the podcast scenario because you don't come across as like aggressive or overly dominant or something. Yeah, being a bit pushy maybe. A bit pushy. So yeah, it kind of puts the guests in like, the, they feel like in a good position of status. Maybe that's what's going on. I'm okay, not sure. well now I feel like you're going to lie about everything and be like, oh, I didn't know that. I really am. That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. And I'll be like, Jesus, Tom. What's the worst thing you've ever done? <laughs> um, Come on this podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it could be. I'm kidding. What's the worst thing that could happen here? Um, oh, I don't know, like, I lose control of my bowels. Would that be the worst thing? <laughs> I was more thinking of your death, but that's bad too. Maybe that you die like from bell ringing. like a final rating. destination kind of mic incident. I've never seen that movie. I mean, see, that's another mm. thing I'm really bad with, like, with, like, classic movies. But I'm really good with, like, current ones, if that I makes wouldn't, sense. I wouldn't say it's a classic by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. Um, It's just one of those kind of iconic stupid films because mm. they uh, like death is the is like the bad guy in it so like you know there's no Halloween mask to sell with Final Destination yeah because the body is death and they just die in stupid ways in like tanning beds and stuff oh like they get trapped I, I had or like impaled suddenly mm. you watch it just for comedic value. I mean, you've sold it to me here. I, I, um, I should say, I should say, I should say that if um, all six of them numbers do come out, that means the tables are turned. You get to ask me any question in the whole wide world. I'll give you a totally honest answer. Okay. <laughs> all right. Let's give it a spin. All right. Here we go. First out the gate, we have number six. Do you have it? No. No worries. Number six. The question is, if you couldn't do what you're doing right now, what career would you pursue? Oh, 
um, that's an easy one. Uh, I would be a veterinary nurse or actually, no, better again. I would like to be an exotic vet. Mm. Um, it's been something I've been thinking about, actually, because, you know, sometimes being an unemployed actor is hard. Yeah. Um, but I have a, a snake and um, he was very sick uh, in the last year or so. And the only place I could bring him was um, a vet out in Bray. Barbara O'Malley is her name. She used to have her own show on like BBC. And she's like the only exotic vet that you can bring your exotic pet to. Mm. So she has the monopoly there mm. on all of the cool animals, uh, making lots of dosh, I imagine. And I just think it's it's really like specific area of expertise that so, would be very interesting to me. So she saves your beloved animal's life and you want to fuck her business up? No, I admire her. I want to be her. <laughs> um, no, I get it. So what, like, the fact that you have a snake is something that I've never talked to you about and it's one of the most interesting things about you. It's really not. Okay. <laughs> um, I've had him for so long, like nine years. Right. And actually, I, I refer to him as a he, but um, I have reason to believe it's probably a female. Mm. But his name is Lucifer and I'm not willing to change the name yeah um, Lucy this, is so, the obvious one yeah like my my mum would call him Lucy mm. uh, which is cute and everything um, but I'm just in such a habit of saying he all the time that uh, I've just kind of forgotten that bit of information when the vet was like it's probably a female yeah and snakes are one of them animals like as in I don't really believe in a male cat in the same way I don't really believe in a female snake does that make sense like they're characteristics are so female for cats yeah yeah I totally see where you're coming from do you know what I mean yeah like felines are so feminine Mm -hmm. in a way Mm -hmm. but no I I can see that because like when you handle a snake they're real like they like ring around you and they're real like soft and gentle and I know yeah they're really like soft to the touch and people are always like oh I thought he'd be slimy but um like so smooth Mm. and like um they're lovely little creatures that just want to like steal your body heat. And what was the, how did you get a snake? I always wanted one Um, in the same way that I always want any pet, really. Like I always had like newts or like frogs or hamsters and, you know, we just always had animals in the house and... Then I was turning 17 and I remember I had like 200 euro in like birthday money that was gifted to me. And um, me and my mom went into the local pet shop, Whackers, and we were getting something like, I don't know, goldfish food or something. And they had this little snake there. And uh, I was like, oh my God, I felt so sorry for it. And I asked my mom, I was like, I, I, I would really like a snake. And she was like... Yeah, but I like it's weird that they're selling a snake here in this hamster shop. Mm. I was like, yeah, that is weird. Like, why did they suddenly get a snake in? Like, this is where you come to buy a bird feeder. So um, we we did a bit of shopping around. Like, we went to a, a cooler pet shop in Colester and they didn't have any. So I was like, here, I'm going back and I'm saving that little guy. And I'm so glad that I did because I don't think there's much of a market for snakes in Donamede. So he'd probably still be there mm. had I not bought him do you think he loves you um i i don't think they're capable of love really because like their brains are like the size of peas 
well no not that small but they're very small and I think that I do have a relationship with the snake mm. because I feed him and I take him out and I handle him and care for him but then that was all turned on its head a while ago because um, I went to take him out and he latched onto me like bit me so hard and uh, it's like a trade of a bull snake to like latch on and not let go like lockjaw and um, he'd never done that before in the in the nine years or the eight years I had had him at that point and uh, at the start I was a bit like oh come on now like what are, what are you playing at then he like was on for like a minute I was like okay I'll just run his head under the tap and maybe he'll let go then didn't work I was like okay I don't want to waterboard the snake <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then after about four minutes, it just suddenly dawned on me that like there was a snake latched onto my hand and he's kind of like putting a bit of pressure behind it and like shaking his head from side to side. And uh, I just started like screaming and I've never been afraid of him ever. But my brother came in and I like, got a pencil and we kind of like wedged it in between his hand and and we got him off that way. But um, after that, I was like, you do not care about me. As my pet animal who I love dearly, you would eat my hand. Whoa. Yes. Yeah, and so. like, did you did you have to go to the vet and be like, my snake, you know, is acting weird? Strange. Yeah. No, he was just hungry. Oh. Like, I just had to feed him. And I had been like restricting his food because he had a lot of surgery. It sounds ridiculous. Like, if you saw him, he, he weighs like less than... 200 grams or something so yeah he had a lot of surgery and um when i fed him it was like affecting the like stitches and stuff that he had so i was like feeding him less and less and uh which is totally fine because they can like survive off air basically um but yeah i just fed him then and we were we were g's again does he eat mice yeah do you feed him mice yeah are you afraid of mice no no um and i actually feel real sorry it's illegal to um, feed an animal, another live animal in Ireland. Um, so you can't buy uh, like little animals for snakes or reptiles or anything like that. So they're frozen, but um, they are real cute looking and it breaks my heart. Wow. Yeah. I don't want to talk about this anymore because I'm not You don't like mice? No, I'm really afraid of rats. Don't know why. Not I, the same I, thing. I heard, not not the same thing, but like I think I don't like anything with a tail like that. Mm. What do, do snakes have? Like, what are their genitals like? Um, they're kind of like on the inside. Um, mm. and then when they would be, you know, participating in the act of sweet love, um, like it would it would emerge from this like kind of. It's not a pouch, but like if you look at their underbelly, you can see there's like a change in their scales, mm. and that's where that's where the magic happens. Is your snake a virgin? I imagine so. Yeah. Mm. Are you okay with that? Um. Well, like, I'm not prepared to breed him mm. or her. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with that. Mm. In the same way that, like, you neuter your dog. Yeah. You know, like, you kind of just have to make that decision for them. That's true, but snakes seem more sexual to me than dogs. Does that make sense? Like, my, no. li- my little my little dog, like, you know, I don't know, she feels more like a, 
a toddler, but where a snake's like feel sexy, like it's so like on the nose, but it's that like that like you know the cur- movement curvy of the, body yeah. thing, and like the sound you associate is like, sss, which is like just I don't know why, but that just feels sexy. There's a lot of weird um, connotations I think to snakes, mm. and like the fact that I call mine Lucifer probably wasn't the brightest idea because it's like the devil or whatever, mm-hmm. and when people like meet him they're like oh my god yeah it's so evil yeah like oh god they're just a little creature and like they don't really live in like um like they they don't have like pack mentality so they're very like solitary creatures mm. so they probably like have very little sex mm. but interestingly enough i'm gonna stop talking about snakes now in a minute but uh a female snake can lay eggs like a chicken like that are unfertilized so that's why i was convinced that mine wasn't a female because mm. you would just be like cleaning the eggs out of the enclosure the whole time um so that's kind of cool that like they can experience that Without having fertilized, yeah. Without without the sex, yeah, it's pretty handy. Yeah. Hi, I'm Dark O'Shea. I'm Alama Jakadumi, and I'm Pater Kovanik, and we are part of the Motherfucker team. Motherfucker's podcast of words, Irish, Irish words, and words from Ireland. It comes every Friday on the Headstuff Podcast Network. So join us for an irreverent and sometimes insightful but always exciting look at the Irish language, Hiberno-English and all sorts of word games at play. Biggie out. Right, we give it a spin? Okay. All right, sweet. Here we go. At number 53, do you have it? No. No worries. Number 53, the question is, what is the greatest piece of art you've ever witnessed? Oh wow! Um, I uh, I did art for my leave insert, and there was this piece of art that we had to study in detail called the Wilton Diptych, and um, a diptych means like a painting on two panels, or you can have a triptych, which is three. Um, and uh, the Wilton Diptych it was just something that we talked about so often in like art history and everything, and. Me and my friend Kim um, just thought it was like a funny word, you know, diptych. Yeah. It's funny. Um, and then we were on a little trip to London the year after we did our leave insert and we just like wandered into the National Art Gallery as you do when you run out of money when you're in London. And um, we just, first room we walked into, the Wilton diptych was on display, like on loan to the gallery. And we were like dumbfounded. Mm. It, it took my breath away. Like I was like, I never thought I would see this diptych in my life, and uh, it was just real special to like walk in there with my with my best friend at, when it had been like an ongoing joke in our lives. I think it's, I, it's funny because wilting is kind of funny anyway, and then diptych makes you think a dick. No, it's Wilton, Wilton, like a name. Oh, I was hearing it as wilting dick pic. Basically, no. Which is like you know someone had like snapped a photo of their shriveled up penis. <laughs> that's where that's where my brain was at. Wilton presumably snapped the pic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, right. Yeah, it is a funny a funny word. Mm, a shriveled up snake. Yeah, because people do call penises snakes, which is weird. Who are these people? I don't know, but do you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Oh, drain that... the snake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I felt I'm very really... vulnerable there for a minute. No, but you wouldn't be like, you wouldn't say it in a serious way. No. Would you? No. I wouldn't be like, doctor, doctor. I have a problem with my snake. (laughs) 
my body snake. Oh, yes. Yeah. It is funny though because sometimes people find it hard to say the word um, penis. What what film was I watching recently and someone like just couldn't say the word? Oh, it's that new um, Brian Cranston Kevin Hart film. Mm. This is not a spoiler unless you were going for penis jokes, which there are not many. I'm really all right, but not seeing Kevin Hart's new film. Yeah, it's. Do you know he's actually he acts quite well in it, and he like he. If anything, I was like, God, I wish Kevin Hart was a bit funnier in this because he just he really? really like goes for like a he he meets Brian Cranston, you know. He's been a bit more serious. Yeah, has he? yeah. I wondered. I wonder when they got the script where they're like, Oh, this is gonna get us our Oscar because you know oh. Brian Cranston is in a wheelchair, and whenever like a really famous actor goes in a wheelchair, I'm like, they thought this was the one, and then it doesn't turn out like what the script could have been. Yeah, but he's kind of like proved himself time and time again, hasn't he? Yeah, uh, Brian Cranston. Yeah, he's great. Oh, he's brilliant. He's very good. And he's just a cool guy by the sound of things. Yeah, I feel like Kevin Hart is just trying to be like James Franco and like, you know, be best buddies with him. That's fair. When I, I asked would. you that question about the art, did you think I meant like it had to be a painting? Or did no. you, you knew it could be anything? Yeah. That's okay. It's so interesting. Whenever someone goes, you see, I'm not, I'm not a big like art guy. I'm not very visual necessarily. Okay. So when someone goes for like something that's uh, a piece of art... I'm always, I, I always think, oh fuck, did I mislead them with the question? But then people just like drawings and shit. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I, it could be anything. It could be a parade, couldn't it? Yeah. I guess, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like a parade is like, it's that street theatre. Yeah, really, isn't like it? installation mm-hmm. on the street. That's Pretty good. cool. Let's give it a spin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're very I like um when I suggest the spin you're you're very passive in your like all right if we have to <laughs> like, okay. all right we're moving on and uh, number nine do you have it no <laughs> I have eight and ten. Oh no that's a 16 never mind how dare you misread my writing it's very good yeah. in your industry who is a person you would love to work with oh except Brian for Barbara Hansen? no you're joking uh who would I love to work with Oh, that's a tough one. I'd like to work with you sometime, Emily. We haven't got to work together. Wow, this is awkward. Uh, That'd be no. fun. Of course. I don't yeah. want to be your answer. It would be weird if I was your answer because that would this be This is a dream come true <laughs> for me. Um, oh, there's so many people. Um, I feel like if I just pick somebody off the top of my head, I'll think about it later and be like, why did I say that? That's okay. Um... Oh God, I don't know. That's all right. Who, who, who? Like, what? What is it in artists that you admire when you work with them? Like, you know, when you're working with someone and you're like, oh, this feels great. What is? Where does that normally stem from from you? Um, like, why do I think it's great? Like, yeah, you you know those people that you worked with and you're like, that was a fucking great experience. Why? Oh, okay. Well. I don't know, it's usually like on a personal level I really like them mm-hmm. or admire them. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I think it's real nice to work with like super smart people mm-hmm. like Gavin Kostick. Mm. Um, and just like, yeah, like people that are real like teachers mm. in their work and stuff like that. Yeah. So what what are the things then that you said it's nice when you like admire the person like what 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 are those qualities that like provoke admiration from within you um 
I think, well, like intelligence, as I said, mm-hmm. and um, a real clear vision of what they want it to be. Right. Like, I I really don't like it when people are, are like, oh, let's just feel this out and like see what this is about. And I'm like, well, it's clearly about this. Mm-hmm. And then they come up with like eight different like possible meanings in the subtext, I say in air quotes. And uh, sometimes the writing is on the wall with these things, you know? Right. And yeah, it's important to like investigate the text and everything. But I don't think everything like scene by scene has to be picked apart, do you know? Mm-hmm. If it's if it's just there waiting for you to deliver it in the plainest way possible. Yeah. Yeah. And that that to me sounds like that sounds like a kind of director way of thinking of things to me. Like have you ever thought about doing that? Oh yeah. Um I've I haven't acted on that at all. Like I've never tried to direct anything, but I have definitely worked with directors where I'd be like, Oh, I wouldn't have done that that way. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. But I don't know, is is that not what we all do probably as actors? Yeah, definitely. But I feel like a lot of directors start that way. Like as actors and then are kinda like, Oh, I wouldn't like they then they, you know because I guess the scary thing, I don't really feel like a theatre director, I don't think. Like, I could see myself directing something on screen before I direct something on stage. Oh, nearly. interesting. But it's funny, though, because I'm nearly finished a play at the moment, and it's the first thing that I've written that, like, I don't have to be in it. Like, I could be in it, but I don't have to. If I wasn't in it... And what does your heart tell you? My heart tells me that I love acting, and, like, I haven't been auditioning lately, like, pretty much everyone, I think. But You're going to be in it. So I'm probably going to be in it, but at the same time, I don't need to be and I don't know who I would get to direct it there are loads of amazing directors there's tons mm. of people that, that could do it but if I was to do it like as a profit share thing like I've done up my other two plays or you know like a self-funded thing whatever way you want to phrase it um, if I was to be in it obviously that would mean you'd have to get someone to direct it but like I guess maybe the thing is I know there are so many brilliant actors out there like yeah. I could like we all know 10 people that could pretty much do anything you think of you know what I mean mm-hmm. so um, that would be an option. But I would find it hard and I'd also be scared of the visual part of it. I wouldn't be afraid of like going through the script and talking through beats and like giving acting direction. I'd be afraid of talking to designers and lighting people and like costume people. Really? Yeah. I don't... And was that something that like you um, did in college, like in DIT? Would you have been like involved in that side of things at all? No. Yeah, because in the Lear, like you're so like um, integrated into, like you work so closely with the SMTT students. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like that is integral, I think, um, in your artistic like education because the kind of stuff doesn't scare me at all. Yeah, that like I think that's one of the reasons why the Lear is the best place to train. Well, I don't know if that's true, but I would say... I would agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it, none of us know if it's true. And yeah. I, I do think it depends on who you are. Like, I think that if I went to the Lear, I would have a very different career. And it might make me feel better now because I think I would know a lot more people. I would. I, I actually know that to be true as a fact. In the sense, I think what's brilliant about that, as you said, you work really closely with designers and the is it SMMT? 
SMTT. SMTT, pardon me. So you're working with these people who then go out into the industry and are doing brilliant things, mm. as, as you see. And then you're also working with people who've been in the industry for years and are doing brilliant things and then come into you guys and share those brilliant things. And then in turn, you know, you develop a relationship and as is the way in everything in life, you know, you people who you like are the people who you want to work with. But at the same time, going to somewhere like DIT, y- y- that wasn't the culture there. Like the culture yeah. was, you have these lectures that no one in the industry actually knows. Now they're brilliant, and I really mean that. Like they, they yeah. really are. They have brilliant things to offer. But what they don't have to offer is industry experience, or like I don't want to say connections because I'm sure you're out now and you probably don't feel connected. I'm sure we all feel the same way. Yeah, well, Dublin is so small in that way. Mm. You can't really, like, swing a cat without, like, making a new theatre friend or an industry friend. Sure. Um, But I totally know what you mean. Like, you can have great teachers, but if they're not actually professional people, like, working, they might lose touch with what's actually going on out there. Yeah, Um, they do. Which is the great thing about the Lear. All the teachers are, like, working professionally the whole time. I don't mm-hmm. know how they do. Mm-hmm. But... They they're amazing, and I um I had a really positive time there. Yeah, it's interesting because like I know, say if I went to the Lear, I wouldn't have gone and studied in Chicago, obviously, because that's not an mm. opportunity they provide. So like that was an amazing thing, and like that completely changed me as a person. Even like forget about acting, like it just changed me as a person. Like going away and meeting, living away, living away, yeah, meeting new people, amazing. going to America because like America, it's just a different America. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's you know? very exciting. It was very exciting and very important and very formative. And like, I don't think I like I found such joy and like and meaning in like writing. I wouldn't have. I don't think I. I I'm not sure I would have necessarily found that being somewhere like the Lear because I found that in Chicago in like a real specific program that like isn't offered anywhere here. You know. And, like, that's so important for me. So it's that weird thing of, like, you look back and, you know, like, maybe it's a question. I actually was thinking of adding it as a question here, but it's, like, if you could go back and, like, live your life again and, like, change things, like, would you do it? Are you asking me that? I am. Um, You know, the first thing that I thought of when you said that is, like, uh, like, my first, like, part-time job, if I could go back to that, I would, like, tell those people to shag off really yeah like you know when you're like young and you're kind of like doing something for the first time mm. like people are mean to you in your first part time job they were so mean to me what did they do Um, they were just bullies like and I kind of thought that that's what the working world was like so if I haven't like worked so much since then mm. I would love to go back and stand up for myself that's what I would do differently not my training as an actor but I did go to a a theatre college, if you could call it that, um, straight out of uh, the Leaving Cert, Kanasha Dulik, and did like two years there out of a possible three, and then I got into the layer. And having been on that side of the the uh, drama school education or whatever, um, it was like, oh, it was like getting to the land of Oz when I went into the layer, just because like it was so like cool and. Everybody was real serious and dedicated and stuff. So had I not experienced that, the other college, acting college that I had to went to would have probably left a very bad taste in my mouth. Is it because, you know, it's easy for me as someone who didn't go to the Lear to see all the benefits of going to the Lear. I imagine one of the disadvantages of going to the Lear is 
obviously one of the great things about it is so many of the graduates are working and like really successful and working all the time which is mm. obviously something as an actor we all strive for earlier in the chat you said that you know sometimes it gets tiring or hard being you know someone looking for work as an actor or an unemployed yeah, actor whatever, whatever the phrase was it, is that made harder by the fact that like people that you trained with you see them doing what you want to do and you're not doing it yet you had the same a similar like route there in terms of training Oh, not at all. Like, um, not at all. And I think that's probably one of the things that was like taught to us in the layer that you're never really in competition with people. My acting teacher, Hilary Wood, used to say, mm. and uh, I really believe that to be true. You know, and like that gives me energy to see like people that I trained with doing well. I'm mm. like, yes, yeah. get in. Um, but uh. Like it's everybody goes through like real quiet periods, um, and like sometimes that period is like two years. You know, that's gonna be that's gonna be tough regardless of like if your best friend or your girlfriend or something was like doing really well and you weren't. You know, mm -hmm. it doesn't make it worse, does it? Yeah, and and it's funny you say when you said that. I asked that question in all seriousness, but when you gave that answer, it was like, yeah, I totally believe that. You know what I mean? Like I, I actually feel that off you. I never feel like any because you know there'd be some people you'd feel like a little kind of like niggling resentment, yeah. even if they don't act on it. Like you can kind of feel it there. I'd never sometimes like despite my better judgment, I feel a bit annoyed if I haven't been seen for something. Totally. Because I'd be like, oh well, they're kind of like me, um, mm -hmm. you know, or just like, oh, I think I could have been in in the pot for that yeah, you know yeah um so that's the only time but like not that's kind of out of my hands i suppose yeah i know when because like you go like knocking at the door and being like hello and sometimes you're like sorry like we're not seeing any more people mm -hmm. which you know they can't see everybody i suppose but uh if it's like something like dublin and like quite like niche and you know like there's not like a million actors in dublin mm -hmm. i'm a bit like that's annoying now that i wasn't seeing for yeah, it's interesting. There's this guy I love, uh, Mike Birbiglia. I don't know, are you familiar with him? No. I think you'd like him. He's a stand-up comedian and a filmmaker. He has like loads of stuff on, on Netflix. I'll link you later because it's really good. Cool. And I got to see him when I was in Broadway. I got to see his one-man show. It's on oh. Broadway right now. And it was just, he's just this amazing storyteller. But he, he talks about this thing. He, he frames it in terms of like being in love. But he's like, I, and I, I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but he talks about being in love um, it's from his movie Sleepwalk With Me and he also has a stand-up special on the same thing and he kind of converted that into a movie but he talks about being in love, being like, uh, you know, as a person, like, and I think as a creative person maybe he frames it but like, you're always like, ah, oh. like, you always feel like you have this secret where you're like, I'm really special and I have this <laughs> thing that I can like give to the world and like no one knows about it yet but like someday they will and, <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then he's like, and being in love is like, where someone comes and they see you and they're like, oh my God, you have this secret and like, it's amazing and like, you have so much to give to the it's world. It's like letting somebody in on the secret. Yeah, and like, they see the secret too and like, he describes <laughs> that's what love is and it, it's interesting because whenever, because I get that too, I never mind not getting a part. I mean, sometimes you're like, oh fuck, I'd love to do that part because it's cool or whatever but mm -hmm. it's like when you can't be seen, it is that thing of just being like, I would have something to bring to that. Yeah. I'm not saying it's the right thing for what you're doing, but like I know I'd have something to bring and it might be right, but like now we'll never know and that that's a little bit hard. Yeah, it's the not knowing. Yeah, and I think that's a positive thing because as you said, like I don't, I think that's just like, it's not even backing yourself. It's just like appreciating that, yeah, you do, like you do have something <laughs> like, and it mightn't be right or it mightn't be, 
you know, the same as theirs. In fact, it won't be, but that's yeah. kind of the beauty of it. I suppose it'd be kind of weird if you were like, kind of, if you didn't care about that stuff, if you're like really passive about like being seen for auditions mm-hmm. because like, that's not productive. Yeah, and there's some people that are, and sometimes I'm like, they're the people that do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's interesting because, you know, it's interesting when you just acknowledge like, you know, for me, I have to acknowledge, you know, for example, they say like, you know, neediness is very unattractive in a room. Mm. Like if you're coming into audition, like totally. I don't think I have that now, although that would definitely be where my tendency would push to rather than like not caring. And, you know, if you're one of them <laughs> people that like doesn't care, they're like, ah, oh, like I've been gone to like, and I don't even like dress up for auditions or anything, but like I could go like this, like say, you know, wearing jeans and a shirt and a t-shirt, right? He's naked. He's I'm naked. <laughs> I'm really uncomfortable. <laughs> and, but like you go and then someone would turn up in like, like a horrible pair of tracksuit bottoms and like, like a ne- smelly. Yeah. And, and they'll, they'll smelly, get the part. Huh? Cause like they just, there is don't a smell. Care. Off <laughs> yeah. But like, maybe that's the thing. Maybe. No, it's not the thing. No, and like, I, I think that everybody should like, you know, wash and like have clean shoes. I disagree. Going into an audition. I couldn't disagree more. Really? No, like, I'm, have no, you ever gone into a, a space, like a rehearsal room, and like the floor is just filthy? Mm. I'm like, what were people doing in this dance studio? Mm. No, no, I, sorry, I think hygiene's very important. Yes. I think it's it very is important. very important. Yeah. No, it is. Yeah, I'm very <laughs> So I don't want there to be any, like, I'm happy to like have anything in the record here, but like, I do think hygiene is important. Okay, well, as long as we can agree on that. I also think that, I don't know if you ever frame things this way in your brain, but I, this is a weird thing and I have no evidence to back this up. You can't hold me to it, even okay. though I'm going to put it on the record well, here I forever. Don't care. Um, but like, that you are someone who like might work more when they get older. I feel like that about people. I feel like that about myself. How could you possibly make that assumption about somebody? I think it's reasonable, okay? Because, for example, I have friends who have this amazing, beautiful, youthful look about them. And Mm -hmm. it's it's amazing. And you're like, oh, if you were just a bit older and haggard, (laughs) you would be like irresistible. No, but as an actor. (laughs) But if, if, like, for example, something like. Something like asking for it, it needs loads of, like, you know. Young people. Young people. Mm. Like, as in. And they look like that and they have that, like, energy about them. You don't have, you have, you actually have quite a youthful look, but I don't think you have a youthful energy at all. I think you. Thanks so much, Tom. That's, no, this is not. Why, do you take this as an insult? No, it's just kind of like, you know, when you're in drama school and people, like, call you out in your, um, like, little hang ups. And one thing was always, like, my energy, not my energy, but my, um, my like speech intonations is quite like you know slow and lazy kind of yeah but that's amazing though i don't yeah but i think that might be the what's given you the illusion of that i'm not a youthful person even though i'm 25 no but like i sorry i know what age you are isn't we're friends but and i know you're a youthful person and yeah. but, and like and i've seen you on stage recently and you actually come across with like lots of energy and stuff but at the same time that like it's funny because I have quite I probably have quite a youthful energy in ways but like I don't really and I have like a youthful face but like I'm quite broad and I'm kind of like class class no but you know what I mean like I don't look like if you put me in a school uniform it would look a bit silly you know what I mean yeah Whereas if you put you in a school uniform, you're like, oh yeah, she totally yeah. isn't. But it, but it's just I, what I'm saying is it's just interesting. Like your energy to me kind of speaks more like, like 
late 20s, thir- 30s, to be honest. But that's okay. not a bad thing. I think that I would, like, I've always said this about myself, which is what it, it could be bollocks, but like, I have a feeling that I will fit better into stuff at that age too like in my late 20s onwards but that could <laughs> be like, wrong don't worry mom and dad I have a feeling yeah it's all I, gonna happen I do though and like that could be oh, that's good. total bollocks but like yeah. I do fundamentally believe that to be true and I can't really do anything about that well no it, it has to be true for some people I mean like didn't Morgan Freeman start acting when he was like in his 40s right same with like Samuel L. Jackson I think Meryl Streep was 29 mm-hmm like, so it it's definitely a thing where it comes later in life for some people. Harrison Ford, I think, as well. But yeah, and it's not even that it, it, it'll come later in life because I'm not saying like, oh, and then I'll be a movie star. I'm just saying, like, I think I'll fit things better in the same way, like, I'm fascinated to see how someone like Barry Keoghan develops because, like, right now he's got this, like, like, Barry Keoghan, I think, is older than me, but he's got this amazing youthfulness. Like, you, he looks like 17 or, or like 20 or whatever he looks, yeah. you know. It'll be fascinating to see, and he has that like. I think energy. he's actually going to be twenty-seven this year. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see how he ages, like when his kind of body and yeah, face he's mark. like his. Yeah, he looks like seventeen, doesn't he? Do you know what I mean? So like, how does that guy age? Like, obviously, he's a super talented actor as well, yeah. so I don't think he has to worry loads. But like, th- th- it is interesting how like that happens with people, you know? It is. Um, I suppose. I think what you're trying to say is that. <laughs> Sometimes, like, people's inner life kind of, like, surpasses their actual age. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I would agree with you on that. That I am an L one trapped in a young one's body. Well, I think that's why we get on. Oh, okay. Because you like older women. Yeah. You like the company of older women. No, but, like, that's an interesting thing, too, because I do feel, I do often feel more connected to people who are older than me. Uh, That sounds like arrogant or something or like I'm so developed but I don't know what why that is I mean I just do and that doesn't feel like it's a coincidence necessarily no but also it could be other characteristics that they have in common Mm -hmm. that uh, you're drawn to as opposed to their age Mm -hmm. it's like a wisdom isn't it but yeah but I think you develop certain characteristics with age that's what I'm saying yeah like wisdom sure yeah, and um, it's yeah, it's good to have um, all sorts of people around you, and um, it's actually really like yeah, uh, like my nana before she died was in a nursing home for like five years, and I really miss being in the company of those old people. Mm. Like some of them were like a hundred and two, and like it's just yeah, it's like really special to like be in the company of like really elderly people um, and yeah that's something that I really miss about like visiting the nursing home but then again I could visit a nursing home without having a relative there mm-hmm. like they're really into that so maybe I should do that actually it would be nice I think you'd find like a lot of yeah I I, th- I was thinking about that like coming into this year of trying to find a way to kind of like and I don't say this earnestly like but like to help people and I mean that selfishly because I know it will make me feel good no oh, I'm right there with you Tom. like whether it's to go out and do like you know the homeless food runs or something like that like I know that would make me feel good and yeah. it would also be helping people who need help but I think that's why people do it isn't it? not for like the self- selfish reasons but like it's just so good to be kind mm-hmm. um that's like something that I was thinking about a lot last night actually because the kind of like 
heroin crisis in Dublin is like absolutely horrific. Mm. Um, and working in the city centre, like I see a lot of heroin addicts and like my heart goes out to them. You told me a really interesting <laughs> story before of like of being with someone and like in the middle of the night for no reason and just going around and like giving you know homeless people blankets and 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 food and like looking after them. Do you remember that story? No. Yeah, you told me this story, uh, and it was like I think it was like early on in like you meeting someone like a new friend and oh, then oh yeah and like but I, I, I that's I always do. that's always stuck with me and like and how that I think that like really formed the way that you think about like that person and the way that they framed your mind because you're like oh, that is so randomly kind and like genuine and like you know you're not getting anything for that it's not like you're putting like a selfie up on Instagram being like look at me doing my homeless run oh, isn't that the worst yeah so exactly so you're just like this is just pure kindness because it is and like there's there's like that's yeah. a really um, that's a really powerful thing when you are a part of it but also when you see it in someone else yeah and like it's good to be reminded of like our humanity in that way because I think like acts of kindness are kind of further away from us now mm-hmm. um somehow um and it's just it's part of who, who we are as humans that we should look after each other and i think people should make more of a conscious effort to like do kind things like that i remember my mom telling me that her uh, dad used to bring somebody home on christmas day every year mm. um like somebody that they lived in rath mine so they'd be it was like the city center so mm-hmm. Yeah, he would he would talk to somebody and bring them home for a Christmas dinner, and I just thought that was so beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's it's like um, it's that thing of like I remember when my granny um passed away in the summer. It was like I kind of now I I cried an awful lot at a certain point, mm. but like for the like at the wake and stuff like you know you'd be seeing people and people coming into the house and shaking hands and hugs and all that, and it was never it was never like the fact that like I could look at like granny in the coffin or I could, you know, I could be, I don't know, doing anything and I'd be fine. Like doing the things that you think would would make you emotional when someone has died. But the thing that would actually do it was when I would see like one of my friends or a family friend or a member of the family or something and they'd like, you know, come up and shake your hand and say something kind. when Like, or, or just, when they, just even their presence, the fact that they would give up like half an hour of their Friday evening to come to this fucking miserable wake. You know what I mean? But they'd want to be there mm. for you to try and like, make you feel less lonely through like a tough time. Like, yeah. and then I'd go. Because I was like, that is so fucking fundamentally kind. Like, it was other people's yeah. kindness. Does this, have you ever read the, um, uh, the Weir by Conor McPherson? No. It's like one of my favourite plays, um, but like, there's this amazing monologue in it when he talks about going to see, going to, he was in love with a girl and she moved to Dublin and he never made the move and then she fell in love with someone else but he was invited to the wedding and he goes to the wedding and like he has to leave at a certain point he can't stomach it and he goes to this pub and he starts necking points and like the barman just knows like this lad is going through something yeah. and he just makes him a sandwich like he just makes him a sandwich and he, he, he just slides the sandwich across the, the bar and he just talks about like how he just like that was the thing that made like tipped him over the edge and he just couldn't stop crying then Cause, and it's like I just I, I don't know there was something about that that I could just so relate to yeah. just like the simple it was a fucking like onion and ham sandwich it wasn't even okay, a nice sounding sandwich. sandwich away from me but like it was just the act of it yeah 
Oh, and that's so lovely and it's so like um, so simple. Yeah, so simple and so like subtly like noted. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's it's the things like that about like people coming to be with you and just yeah, it's just so basic, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um and actually I think that's something that Irish people are very good at. Um like the whole looking after somebody in a in a period of mourning. Mm. Um maybe that's like a really good thing about growing up in Catholic Ireland. Yeah, we're the whole, very good at death. Yeah, like it's real ceremonious, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And um like recently my dog died and he was our family dog, like had him since I was thirteen. And I was kinda like well, I was devastated, first yeah. of all. But there's no funeral with a with an animal, you know, and I I I was like craving that sort of like ceremonial like let's honor his memory. Uh-huh. Um and we did it in our own way, of course, but like I would have had a mass for that dog in a church. I, like I totally would have done the whole thing. What what way did you honor the dog's memory? Um. Well, you know they give you like three options, and like one is like um to cremate the the dog like on his own, mm-hmm. which is like really expensive. They didn't say how much, but apparently it's crazy okay. expensive. The, or the other option is to like have him cremated with like other animals that died there mm-hmm. that week. Um. And I don't know how that works. Like I don't think they give you the ashes back or anything. Um, because it would be all like communal ashes with mm. like bunny rabbits and stuff. Mm. And then the third option was to bring him home and like bury him, which is what we did. Um, in the garden. Yeah, which was lovely and no easy task because he was a very big dog. And um, oh. yeah, my my dad and my brother worked like so hard. Ali was there too, my sister. Um, but yeah, it's it, like digging a, a grave is no easy easy task well it's really interesting you say that because they <laughs> I met Tommy Tiernan once <laughs> I really cool. like Tommy Tiernan okay I met what him once twist? I was trying to work out whether I should say his name but I think it's okay Okay. Uh, he wouldn't know me at all but not, like yeah. I obviously you know like I met him in a group of about six you know and uh, I was the only person there that he wouldn't have been friends with and I kind of walked, arrived with someone in the middle of the conversation and he was telling this story about a friend of his who died from one of the Aran Islands and how apparently on the islands, again, very ceremonial about death and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And apparently it's a it's an island tradition that the men um, take off their shirts and no matter what the like weather is or anything and they take off their shirts so they're topless, bare-skinned and they all get shovels and they dig the grave themselves wow. and like... They that's that's what they do, and they 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 dig the grave and they cover the grave back up, and so they don't have like, you know. Well, they don't have like a mini digger on the island. I guess so, and like, and they obviously could get it if they want, but it's the ceremony of this that like, it's like this, a tradition. Yeah, now. and I get it. I totally that's get it. So like nice in a way. It's yeah. like really getting back to earth in in the simplest terms. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird. Like, how do you feel about like going into the ground when you die? I much prefer it to the idea of cremation. I've been, really? yeah, I've been to cremations, and I, I don't, I don't like, I don't, I, I it just wasn't for me, and I, I totally get the like finality of it, and like, you know, I used to have, I think most people have at some point, like, had the fear of like, oh, what if I'm buried alive? Like, it used to give me like stress, like that actually happened all the time, like I, back in the day. Yeah, apparently, mm. yeah, and I don't think that happens now. Um, no, 
but it does happen with like tortoises and things that hibernate. Mm. So be wary. Okay, I will. You know, yeah, I have a checkered history it. with turtles myself. Do you? Listen to the Michael David McKiernan episode for uh, all them oh, details. Wow. Um, but yeah, I I think I'd like to go into the ground. Yeah. Um, I think so. I I mean, I know I'm not sure of like the environmental implications of it, but like, yeah, I think I would. I I, I like the fact that um. I I like I'm a very I love being in nature as well, mm. um, and I yeah I don't know I mean like once once I'm I'm gone I'm I'm gone I guess I I mean the idea like of a a black box isn't very comforting to me but the idea of like the countryside which is what I think of when I think of graves that is yeah that is and like I won't I I I guess I won't be here yeah but then the reality is you'll probably go into like some family bot plot in like Dean's Grange. Yeah, we we my, my granddad know. when he died was the first person into a new graveyard. There was wow. it was completely empty, and he we couldn't get him in anywhere else. Uh, well, he so he was the guard commissioner. So you get like you get you know a military funeral and all that. And as a result, you there's a a guard um graveyard, but he he didn't want that. Like I don't think he ever like because obviously being a guard commissioner is like a big job for anyone listening from like outside of Ireland imagine being buried with your work though that's the thing I don't think he liked the idea of it defining him because like basically he's like the chief of police you know it would be the American equivalent or something Um, so you're like the number one like it's a a really big job and especially then he was there like at the end of the troubles and stuff like that so you know he would have been like I I think it'd be an exaggeration to say like a celebrity but he would have been very well known in the public eye Yeah. and he, he I think historically he goes down as being like one of the good ones in the sense that like he didn't monumentally fuck up what was his name or wasn't corrupt Larry Wren. Larry Wren, like the bird around? Like the Wren, yeah. Wow. It's kind of sad because we're all Morans now. Wren will be my mum's uh, name and we didn't, you know, we didn't go, and like, so that name will die with them. There's not a lot of Wrens at all. It's a very, very unusual. That's story. interesting because my um, grandmother on my dad's side is a partridge. Oh. It's also a bird. Yeah. Yeah. It, and yeah, you have like Lark and mm-hmm. loads of cute bird names yeah um but that's so interesting that he went into like a brand new graveyard because yeah. like what what makes a graveyard a graveyard only graves mm-hmm. so like before it was like a field and y- yeah, then th- all of a sudden it was he was the king of the graveyard yeah they allocated you know like is in it was like fenced around and they built like you know like toilets and a little no. a little flower caretaker thing yeah, and yeah there's a fountain in the middle he's right near the fountain which is kind of nice um yeah, and so my granny's gone in now, and now my granny and granddad are the first couple in there. You know, it's interesting. So there's probably only mm. still like ten plots in the graveyard, and like granddad died like two and a half years ago, and now and granny died, I guess, like a few months ago, like six months ago, maybe not even six months ago, like four or five months ago, and um, so they're the first couple in there now. Something nice about being that's kind the of first. Romantic, isn't it is it? kind of romantic, yeah. It's so funny when she died. Like her only request for her funeral was that it was exactly like his. Oh, that is get away from me, Tom. That, that is too sweet. Yes, yeah. She was just like, like you know, she wanted no originality or anything. Oh. She just like just make it exactly like his. Because she like enjoyed it in some weird way. I wonder, like, what, like, if she could, like, you know, if she rem- was able to remember it. Because it obviously must be so traumatic. Like they were together for like over seventy years, so it must be so traumatic to like bury, you know, yeah. your absolute life partner, you know. 
I, I wonder like could she even remember it like after it happened and I don't mean that in a, like oh she was old and stupid way but like is in or does your body just like shut down and just like we're just going to get through this and then we're going to forget because this will not serve us going forward I read um, a thing it, it must have been from like um, a bit of text that I got for an audition mm. and uh, it really struck a chord with me and it was one of the characters was going somewhere to get like I think it was an abortion and her friend said don't look at this place too hard so we don't have to remember it mm. and I was like oh my god we do that all the time we don't remember things well deliberately mm -hmm. when they're awful Um. so yeah I would say I would say that would be a kind of a burying your husband kind of day to not Taking the detail, wouldn't it? Mm. Um. Oh, so heartbreaking. Do you give it a spin? Yeah. Ooh, a bit of enthusiasm on that. Yes. <laughs> Let's move on. I like it. Shoot your video. Yeah. Okay. Number fifty-eight. Do you have it? I know you don't. You have fifty-nine. Go fuck yourself. Number fifty-eight. The question is: In terms of artistic creation, what drives you to do what you do? Um, ego. <laughs> uh, is that true? I think all of us have. Yeah, I think fundamentally for every performer it's an ego thing how dare you it has to be Tom it has there's to be there's definitely an element to that like well, at one not... point we were like we are a gift let's share it with an audience I think I come at it from the exact opposite place alright go on no I do honestly <laughs> no and what you're saying there is truth in it absolutely and for yeah. me as well but I think I more come from it like as in I feel like a piece of shit please love me maybe it, that's the same place I'm not I sure I think that might be the same place yeah maybe it is I think maybe our insecurities are tied up in our ego as well. I'm sure they are. But you said, like, you, I, I, I don't, I honestly don't. Hmm, you don't feel like a gift. <laughs> I feel way more like a gift now than I did when I was younger. Okay. I like myself way more now. But, like, I still have that thing of, like, wanting people's approval all the time. Yeah. But it's good now because I don't feel like it controls me anymore. Like and for example, if we if we you've never met the me I'm talking about because I only know you for maybe like let's say two years two years yeah, yeah. no more and I I'm like I was very very different when I was you know younger but like I would never have anything you said even if I did like really didn't agree with it there was no way I was picking you up in that and even still I'm not like I'm not a confrontational person but like. If someone says something that I fundamentally disagree with, not even that I'd be like, you're wrong, you're wrong, but I'll, I'll be willing to like explore it at least or like ask them about it. Whereas before, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Because I just, I thought that that's how you made people like you, which is actually kind of true. Like being agreeable. Yeah. Like I was in, I'd say I was more likable in that sense then, but it wasn't like authentic. Whereas now, like I still think the vast majority of people like me, but I'm pretty authentic. Yeah. To who I actually am, which is still an agreeable person, but it's like authentically agreeable rather than like performatively so. Yeah. Well, that's a healthy place to be. I think so. Yeah, totally. And so you think that it comes from. So did you feel like. Because you don't strike me as someone who feels like God's gift. No, I, I definitely don't. But I think um, there that like we are definitely um, united in a way like I say we for actors and artists at large mm -hmm. that um like you want to contribute or in an artistic way but yeah I, th I think it has to be um an 
the that inception of the idea, like no matter how, what age you are, I think it must come from a slightly egotistical place. But having said that, um, I think, uh, it's like a weird, weird need to fulfill um, my creative side of my personality. Like I just love to make things and love to, yeah do plays and stuff and be other people and I think um, it's kind of like a, a weird science in a way like to take on another role and you know entertain people and charge people money to come see you do that sure it's like weird isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah it's like um, yeah I mean you're really backing yourself to be like I am interesting. I am worth it. Like I am worth this hour of your time. I have an interesting time. take on this person's life. Yeah, but yeah. you do as well. Yeah, everybody does. Mm. Um, and it's um, it's something that uh, we need as humans. Like people love art. Mm-hmm. They love music. They love books. They love TV and film and theater and. We are the poor fuckers that are supplying it, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see you write something. I'd love to see myself write something, Tom, to be honest. I'd love it. I think you'd be brilliant at it. Um. Yeah, it, it was something that I always wanted to do, but I think um, it, like, I, it takes so much of your creative energy, I think. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, it seems like such a daunting thing to do because so many people are writing deadly stuff the whole time you know it's kind of I'm like it's the fear it's of not knowing if I'll be good at it you know there's such a temptation to throw out like you know a shit quote at you and try and change your mind no like I know them all I know Um, of course you do that's why I'm not going to do it yeah so I'm just going to listen to myself and um, one day I think I'll be like yeah now's the day fair yeah. Just know I'm waiting for it. He is waiting. I can't wait for it. <laughs> All right. If there's anything I can do, to, there's nothing I could, I could do, of course. Write it for me. I would just love to. I, I will write something. I, I, I just like your perspective on things. Thanks. Tom. I find you very interesting. I find you interesting. That's good. I'm glad that we're friends. Okay, let's give it a spin. <laughs> uh, uh, number, I'm glad that we're friends too. Sometimes I get, like, do you ever hear someone, like, tell someone, like, do you ever hear someone say, like, I love you to someone and then they don't say it back? Like, that makes me, like, that makes me so, that's, like, the worst thing I think people can do. <laughs> and did you just have a, a touch of that there when I said I'm glad we're friends and you didn't say anything? Yeah, and I, like, but in my heart I was, like, screaming, yes, me you. too. Yeah. <laughs> I love you so much. I love you too, man. And um, but I really like find that hard when people don't like if I see someone like open themselves up and like you know make Put that leap, and then someone there. doesn't meet them there. Like it's, it's like when worst. someone goes for a high five and the other person doesn't see it or does see it and pretends not to notice. Oh, are those are those people out there? I don't know, but like probably. I really hope they're not. Yeah, I have tears in my eyes and I'm not crying and I'm just I'm self conscious because it looks like the fact that you said you want to be my friend has brought me to tears. Mm, you've been crying the whole time. <laughs> I have. I hate to tell you. I have. All right, number 18, do you have it? No. No worries. Number 18, are there any things that you do day to day to stay healthy? Um, I have like a really strict skin regime. Does that count? Yeah, that's interesting. 
Yeah, I had like really bad skin um, as a teenager and into my 20s. Your skin looks great day. today. Thank you. Um, I I love that because I do feel good about my skin at the moment. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm always trying to sort it out. My life is just a constant um, struggle to sort out my skin. And I like to take evening primrose oil. Um and lots of vitamin B and niacin. It's good for brain function. Mm. And vitamin C. Um, you can't overdose on anything, any vitamins other than vitamin A. And uh, Brendan Sheen, a really nice guy that I met, um, doing an episode of Into the Badlands a couple of years ago. Okay, no need to brag. Um, oh, please don't, <laughs> please don't look it up. Uh. <laughs> Actually, the most valuable thing that I took away from that was this piece of information from Brendan Jean mm. that, uh, like, you can take like 5,000 milligrams of vitamin C a day, and he has done for like oh, something like really impressive, like seven years, and he hasn't been sick. Don't quote me on that. But, like, really? yeah, like, and I don't know, like, the sun shines out of that man's eyes. So I was like, I believe vitamin C is improving your life. So that's something that I like to do. That's nice. Yeah, everybody get a chewable vitamin C tablet quick. Do, does bad skin? I, I, um, I was talking. I do nothing for my skin at all. Okay. I have very naturally good skin. I don't know why. I just always have. I like haven't moisturized ever. I don't like do anything. I I shower like every day. All right. Well, now you're showing off. So when I was in school in transition year, we were we had like because you know that's like the age a lot of people are suffering with like acne, and I think that mm. can, I can only as in like. If I think back about how self-conscious I was as a teenager with good skin, you know, I can only imagine, like, on top of everything, you're already naturally self-conscious about that age. And if you have bad skin, I can't, can only imagine. But there was a the makeup, it was like a makeup skin specialist. Like, she was, she was talking to the girls about how to remove their makeup or, you know, apply it okay. properly in a healthy way, I guess. And to the guys about, like, what they should be doing, whatever it was. It was, like, mm. skincare regimes. It's a pretty cool thing that they did, actually, I suppose, in hindsight. But anyway, and, like, one of the first... She walked into the classroom and she was setting up her things and we were sitting in these, like, lecture-style seats, like, theatre-style, like, they were rows, they were tiered. And, like, out of nowhere, she just lifts her head up and, like, points at me and go, you, you have amazing skin. And it was the first thing she did and everyone, of course, just breaks their shit laughing at me and my skin. Uh, did you get any, like, weird nicknames Well, like, people day? would literally... People would literally call, like, just... Would just quote her like it, it wasn't even funny, but that just the like, memory. Oi, nice skin. Pretty much like <laughs> it was just weird, but like you know, as a kid, like you don't want to be known for anything that makes you different, even if it is a positive thing. Yeah, I guess you just you just want to. Well, blend. yeah, I feel like that was kind of like misjudged on her behalf as somebody that goes into schools to talk to teenagers. Like, don't fucking isolate anybody. That's a good point. It's a very good point. <laughs> she didn't. She didn't mean anything. I might get her on the show. She, of course she didn't mean anything by it, but, like, you're still talking about it today. Yeah. So what does that say? Oh, man, that's such an interesting point. Like, the things that, like, you think about, or, or, or similarly, you know, the things that you, um, the things that you still think about, like, that maybe an interaction you had with someone and it was so meaningful to you and you know they don't remember it. Or, like, you know, if, or maybe you think they do and then you're to bring it up with them and then they're like, I'm really sorry, I have no idea what you're talking about. I feel like... I don't know why, but I feel like that's mostly like trauma based. So like somebody close to you could say something that has like a devastating effect, and they don't remember it. Mm. Um, and maybe it's even a positive thing. Like you have nice skin. Mm -hmm. Um, 
yeah, but it can be quite uh, disarming, I think, when people point out stuff about you in front of large groups. Like, I, I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't consider the skin thing a trauma at all, even though I do remember it, but it wasn't traumatic. But one thing that was traumatic was when I was, I don't know what age I was, let's say I was, um, oh, fuck, what age would I have been? I really don't know, but let's just say like 11, okay? okay. And I was in hospital and I was getting my appendix out. Oh. It was about to burst and... um. They didn't know what it was for a while because, like, people, like, I knew I was in a lot of pain, but people, like, often get, like, appendicitis confused with constipation because the pain's in a similar part of your body. Okay. And, like, I've never suffered with bad constipation, but, like, I'm, I think the pain of that can be really serious and, like, jabbing in, in that area. And mm. I went in for, like, an ultrasound, which is one of the ways that they check it out. You know the way they put, like, that jelly stuff in yeah. your tummy? And, like, I, sorry, I also should put this in the context of like I was very heavy as a child okay. and so like I like you know took off my shirt which I, even at that age like I knew I didn't like it and I had to get in a weighing scale and to do oh, all these no. things and then um basically the woman was like she did it and like she was having trouble with the ultrasound machine and then she said to me now Tom you're making my job very difficult because <sighs> with all the belly fat I can't see what's going on in your belly and like she started saying, I don't remember exactly what she said, but that oh, was the essence of it. She was like, God. you are so fat that I can't do my job properly. And that was like her way of being like, I'm going to talk to this young sprout about handling his body weight. Yeah, like she thought she was doing you a favour. Maybe, yeah, or maybe. And I wonder like, because I feel like that couldn't have been true because I wasn't like morbidly obese or anything like Absolutely that. Absolutely I was like, I was heavy, but I was also like a kid. It was like, you know, puppy fat as well as being yeah, like just absolutely. fat. But like, um, and then I remember after I got the operation out and like, or sorry, I got the appendix. operation to get the appendix out and I was struggling. Like, it was a pretty painful thing. Like, it was yeah. keyhole surgery, but like, this was in like, I feel like a, a day or something after and like, you were kept in for however many days, not long, but like, I was... She was like, you should be able to walk by now. And because you're so fat, you can't walk. That's why you can't walk. It's not because of the operation, Tom. It's was your mom there to like hear this? No, but I remember telling her after and her being like so angry because like... That's so damaging. It really was. It really Especially was. Especially to a child because you just, you're in a hospital and you, this person has a medical background and you're going to trust them with your life. Mm -hmm. And then she's saying stupid things like that to you. Yeah, and she organ I remember she organised a meeting with a dietitian for me and my mum to go to. And the dietitian was kind of like, why, why are you here? Like, she didn't really get it because she was like, yeah, you're like a little bit chubby. Like, but you're yeah. you're like 11. You're kind of You're meant going to be. to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, but it's weird because like I, like, I wonder how, because I talk about this all the time in the podcast because I think it's... Well, I don't know. It's been on my mind lately, but mm. as well, I think it's okay to talk about. Like, I do have a load of, like, like most of us do, like, a load of body stuff and body yeah. issues and image issues. And I wonder... Is it from that How room? much of it is, yeah. It's yeah, crazy. because obviously you weren't, like, getting that at home, you know? No, if this was, like, the no, it wasn't. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, this is, like, the first time somebody has criticised you. And not only are they criticising you, like, it's an adult in a yeah. hospital criticising you. That's so true, yeah, because she had, like, a stethoscope and shit. Yeah, like, she had status. Yeah. That's so, I'm so sorry that happened to you, Tom. Oh, thanks. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah, no, it was just, I don't know, I don't even remember why we were, yeah, it came from the skin thing, I guess. But yeah, it is It is interesting how that stuff just, like, it, it's interesting what sticks and what doesn't, yeah. and what sticks for you. Like, And I wonder what part I am in someone's life like that, because I'm sure I've had an interaction with someone where I made them feel like that, and I've completely forgotten about it. I didn't even know I did it, but like they'll remember that forever. Like, that's very possible. I feel like if you're not a total, like, 
ignoramus that probably you that hasn't happened like that you have insulted somebody without even realizing in that mm. sort of way mm. i feel like it probably happens a lot to all of us as we're growing up and people can be so cruel and mm-hmm. like adults can be so cruel yeah um but yeah having acne um is so awful in the same way it was probably just as awful for you to be criticised by that woman about your weight Mm. Um, and yeah like there's been times even recently where I like cancelled like a night out because I didn't want to go out because I had spots on my face oh man yeah I've 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 had that with like being like I don't want to go out because I feel fat I don't have like clothes that make me look skinny yeah before isn't it terrible and uh, do you mean that like as an adult like in the last couple of years oh like in the last few months like um because it, it, it's your face, you know? It's yeah, you can't face. hide it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, people are... Like, we all have our own stuff, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's something that I like to do. Look after my skin. At least if I know that I'm doing everything that I possibly can. If I get spots, it's not my fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Totally. Right, will we give it one last bit? Yeah. Okay, sweet. You got progressively more excited about this throughout the episode, I hate to tell you. Well, but I'm, a I'm big just fan hoping I get a number. Right, last chance saloon, number 16. Yeah! Oh, nice oh, one. Was that planned? Uh, I lied, it was actually 14, I just want... No, it is 16. It's very faded though, look, you can barely see it, but that actually is 16. Well, I can't see anything, so it, yeah, God bless very your faded. I might need to put like stickers on them, because um, these balls have been... Bingo. Around the block. They've been around the ball block. Uh, okay, number 16. Oh, nice. This hasn't been up in a while. <laughs> I don't know why I said nice. It's not nice. But what are your memories of the not nice 9-11? Oh, um, I remember I um, it was 2001, so I was eight. And uh, me and my brother had come from home from school and wanted to watch DuckTales. Uh, have you seen DuckTales? No. Um. It's a great, great movie. Um, but uh, we were watching DuckTales and my mum got a phone call from my dad who was in work. Being like, turn on the news, turn on the news. My mum came in, like, pressed the video, like, out of the VHS player and was, like, frantically putting on the news. I was like, mum, we're watching DuckTales. Like, what are you doing, you silly old lady? And, um, yeah, I just remember, like... We had the the news on when the second plane hit and um, I didn't really understand what was happening. And like my mom, um, God bless her, she's uh, she's real emotional and she was like bawling her eyes out. And um, uh, like it was so, so tragic, mm. obviously. But I couldn't really understand what was happening. Like I, I don't even know if I knew that it was the news that we were watching or if it was like the news from before. Do you get me? And then, like, we were like, oh, this is so crazy. And uh, then after a while, I was like, um, can I put DuckTales back on? And lo and behold, it went back on onto the TV and I finished it. And then I remember um, in school the next day, I went to a lovely school in North Bay, Educate Together National School. And um, they were really good about, like, world events and stuff like that. And they would be real, like no nonsense this is what's going on and I remember my a guy in my class John Oscar Gibbons his mom was uh, is American and she came in and like talked to us wow. about yeah what was going on like Bush and everything mm. and um, yeah I remember being like wow the 
this is so messed up. Yeah, it's funny. Again, yeah, it kind of goes back to what you're talking about, maybe a little bit about the kindness thing. Like, I remember when that happened, me and my mom and my two younger brothers went to the American Embassy in the Phoenix Park just to leave flowers and, like, a oh. candle, maybe. Uh, I think it was a thing that was being done because we went there, there were like thousands and thousands. But I remember we met this American couple, and I'd say they were like, you know, pensioners probably. They could have been in their like late 60s, maybe early 70s, but because they were American, they looked better than us. You know, like they didn't, <laughs> like they weren't like as weather beaten as us, like, and they had nicer teeth and um, better tans. They looked like they played golf together, but they definitely used a buggy to go around. You know what I mean? Okay. They, they weren't walking. So they were dorks. Yeah, they were dorks, but lovable <laughs> dorks. And anyway, one of their, their names was, uh, the, the man's name was Richard. I can't remember the woman's name, and I only remember his name was Richard because that's the name Your of my brother. younger brother. Yeah. Mm. Oh, well remembered. Yeah. That's very sweet that you remember that. Oh, very Stop good. I right like now. that now. Um, and, um, but he was, so we kind of connected over the fact that like, you know, they shared names or whatever, but they, they, and like, again, it was that kindness thing. They couldn't believe like the kindness of the like Irish people, I suppose, just that everyone's going and leaving stuff. They were so blown away. Like, not that they didn't think we'd care, but they didn't think it would be as impactful as it was oh, for us. No, it, it really was. It oh, like man. shook the world, didn't yeah. it? And like, I just remember the footage of like people jumping out of windows and everything. And yeah. Oh, it was just, it was crazy, crazy time. Uh Um, I don't know if you watch Peep Show, but there's an episode where they're talking about um, the news and it's like, they're like, um, I suppose like, honestly, I've been bored since 9-11. Like, Mm. that was good news. Like, it's so risque, but like, it really gripped the world, didn't it? Mm. Like, um, it was... Well, it was spectacular. Phenomenal news. Yeah, it was like... out of this world, scary, terrifying, this is real life. Yeah. Like, even when you think about it now, like, even the act of actually, not, not to fucking trivialise it, but, like, the act of actually hitting the tower, like, properly. You, you know what I mean? I know. They like, must have been, like, training for that. Oh, totally. Like, and I know, like, obviously, you know, you know, you start in Dublin and you end up on, like, a really specific runway in, like, Manhattan. I know these, like this is like completely like how planes work but at the yeah. same time like in the middle of Manhattan like flying that low like it was spectacular yeah actually that's such a good point like the whole fucking thing yeah like, and the it's a city thing. of skyscrapers yeah and like two we're gonna hit you so you get that the one I'll get this one place. like and we'll do it within like whatever I don't know how long the gap was but it wasn't that long and like. it is kind of mad that it took two to take them down considering they're so close together I guess like, yeah yeah like it is it's absolutely mental mm. um yeah, it's it's mad to actually think back on it yeah. and be like, that happened in our lifetime. That happened in our lifetime, I know. Come here, this has been deadly. Yeah, it's been fun. This has been, this has been, this has been like, I really like this episode because I'll always remember this episode. This this episode is a very like, no, it's because you, you have a very specific energy and I think I, you know, you, you automatically, when you, you know you're talking to someone, not that you match their energy, but like their energy is going to affect your energy and my energy is, different around you but I really like that about like there's certain people that do that to me like I Camille Camille R- Lucy Ross yeah yeah she does that to me as well in like what way I don't know I'm, I just like I, would she chill you out yeah maybe she slows me down I don't know if you like slow yeah. me down a little but I I, I, I a little bit di- not different but like good different yeah she's so chill yeah. she's lovely to talk to she's great yeah you're great we love you Camille we do thanks for doing this oh no problem thanks um, for having me do you want to sit beside each other at John Dennehy's show um yes thank you <laughs> I love you so
<laughs> Emily Fox, thanks for playing personality bingo. Thanks, Scott Warren. So, guys, that was the outstanding Emily Fox playing personality bingo with Tom Warren. I always try and think of different... Is that an adjective? I think it's an adjective, but a different word to describe the guest. And I'm pretty happy with outstanding. Uh, I like it. It's kind of atypical and unusual. Like Emily, but in the best way. Because she's great. She's one of my favourite people. Um, if you're listening, a massive thank you to you for taking the time to do it. It was brilliant. And uh, what a chat. What a gem. You are. Uh, guys, as I said, the Patreon page is launched. Uh, click in the show notes there. Have a look at what we're talking about. It's Patreon, Personality Bingo, any kind of Google search of that is going to get you there. Uh, it's in the show notes too. The link, go and check it out, even if you have absolutely no intention or ability to contribute. I totally understand, but the Patreon page is kind of cool. And uh, go and have a look at it. We've got some of our artwork up there. Uh, there's some insights into the show, and it's a great way to keep in touch with me if you do have any thoughts um, and look as I said it's a model based off soundness if you are in a position to chuck something our way please do look uh, our you know the, the suggestions started like 5 uh, euro but really it doesn't matter what it is it's the mere thought of like doing it whether it's a euro or two euro that makes a huge difference I know that sounds stupid even as I say that that sounds stupid but I also know the numbers that we have going on and it actually isn't it actually makes total sense if it makes sense for you it'll make so much sense for us but genuinely thanks from the bottom of my heart to all the people who have come on board and um, I'm going to keep continuing to let you guys know about it so um, if you are in a position um, please jump aboard and if not I totally totally understand thank you for listening I hope you keep on doing so Um, a few quick thank yous as always to the boss woman Erin Lindsay for mixing editing and producing this podcast thank you so so much you are a star to the amazing Leah Moore and Anthony Manley for their beautiful theme music I had to swallow there I had some saliva in my mouth and to the amazing oh sorry to preface your name with my saliva thoughts but Connor Nolan for his gorgeous artwork and as always to the phenomenal Alan Bennett and Paddy O'Leary lads thank you so much for having us aboard the network and um, for all that you do Uh, guys look what a pleasure it's been tune in next week when the outrageous oh that makes it sounds like you could be like a sex offender or something i was just trying to make it another adjective is it adjective i don't know to the to the to the to the beautiful sean carey when he plays personality bingo with tom morin If you want to support this podcast and get a full ad-free episode, sign up to Headstuff Plus.